morning. Our uh, reading this morning comes from the Old Testament from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. In your pew Bibles, it's found on page 449. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and will be at ease without fear of harm. The word of the Lord. In the recreation room of a retirement center in California, Four widows were playing bridge when an elderly man that they had never seen before walked into the room. Well, hello there, said one of the women. You're new here, aren't you? The man smiled and said, just moved in this morning. Second woman spoke up and said, well, where did you live before moving here? Matter-of-factly, the man replied, San Quentin, I was just released from there after serving a 30-year sentence. The third woman asked, what were you in prison for? The man replied, I murdered my wife. Hearing this, the fourth woman perked up and said, oh, so that means you're single. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Now, isn't that the way with us so often? We listen selectively. We block out anything that might interfere with our desire or our own agendas. How good are you at really listening? How good are you at really listening? That's a very critical question to address, for it will determine the direction of our lives. As we have begun to look at the book of Proverbs and this matter of choosing wisdom over folly, listening takes center stage. 
Will we listen to what wisdom has to say? Will we be selective to only hear what we want to hear? You show me a person who is wise, and I'll show you a person who has learned to listen well. On the other hand, you show me a person who answers before listening, delights in airing his own opinions, and listens not to the many proverbs that speak to poor listening, and I will show you one who is unwise. As it has been said Wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. Good advice. We began our study in Proverbs last Sunday by looking at the opening verses of Proverbs chapter 1. And I want to remind you of the phrase that occurs at least 18 times in this book, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And as we saw last time, and it bears repeating, the fear of the Lord is to have an awe for who God is and an affection for what he has done. It is an affectionate awe. And we cannot find wisdom apart from fearing the Lord. Like a zipper on a coat. If we don't get it right to begin with, then the rest of it is all off. Our fear of the Lord, that right relationship with God is the starting place in our quest for wisdom, and it must stay with us if we are to continue to grow in wisdom. We never leave the fear of the Lord behind. That is, if we want to walk wisely rather than foolishly throughout our time here on earth. And what we hold in our hands particularly as we're looking at it in the book of Proverbs, and this one book is a treasure chest of wisdom. It's more than a collection of nice sayings that give us some advice for living life. Its aim is to call us into a right relationship with God. It's a book here to, meant to stir up a trust in God who is wisdom and deepen our love and fear of Christ who has become our wisdom. So then, if, if that, that's true, how does a person end up on the path to folly? I mean, no one really sets out wanting to be considered a fool. It isn't a flattering term. What are some characteristics of of foolish living? Well, that's what this book is all about, and we zero in on that in this section that we're looking at this morning. Now, this is not an easy section. I'll give you that one up front. But what should be evident is that while there are many voices calling to us, it is the voice of wisdom we need to listen to, not selectively, but intently. The singular thought for this morning is this. Our problem is not that wisdom is hard to find. Our problem is in listening to it. Our problem is not that wisdom is hard to find. Our problem is listening to it. And so in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33, the passage that was just read for us, we encounter wisdom personified as a woman who is calling out to people, demanding that they listen to her. And what we have this morning in this section before us are three principles. I want to give these to you up front. 
The first principle is we have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. Principle number one, we have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. Principle number two is failure to listen in the first place brings disaster. Principle number two, failure to listen in the first place brings disaster. And thirdly, listening to wisdom, listening to wisdom is the only thing that protects us from troubles of our own making. Listening to wisdom is the only thing that protects us from troubles of our own making. So I hope you're looking with me at Proverbs chapter 1. First of all, we have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. You see that right out of the gates here in verses 20 and 21. Proverbs 1, follow along, verse 20. says, Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. And the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. Wisdom calls aloud, it says, or calls out, Solomon the writer says. The woman is, is calling out. She's, she's crying out. She's raising her voice. She's shouting. She's speaking. And the, and the picture really here is one of a town crier in the streets with a great sense of urgency. In today's world, we have all sorts of technology that provide us with ways where we can hear the news. But in days gone by, the town crier was the source of news for the community. He would stand in the, in the village square and, and, and preface his announcement with that familiar cry, Hear ye, hear ye. Well, in the same way, wisdom personified as a woman is very passionate with something very serious to say. Now, it's worth noting where the uh, town crier is located. I mean, where might we expect to find this wisdom, this voice calling out? Well, we might answer, well, we would expect to hear that voice calling out maybe in the religious places, in churches, in cathedrals, in temples. No, the surprise is that God's wisdom positions herself in the marketplace, the noisy streets, and the city gates. That's worth noting because God looks for us in the ordinary places where we live lives, where we build our relationships, where we learn our skills, where we seek good health, wherever else. There, that was where God's wisdom can be heard. Everyone can hear. Everyone can, but not everyone will. We have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. Our problem is not that wisdom is hard to find, but it's listening to it. Because wisdom puts herself wherever people are, positions herself in such a way as to make herself obvious and accessible. At the center of all of our activities, wisdom calls out. Now, why the shouting? Why the raising of the voice? Why must God's wisdom come across as loud? Because of all the noise. All around, there are voices calling to be heard. There are the trendy voices. There are the media voices. There are the religious voices. There are the voices from entertainment. 
There are many voices calling in the streets, and at times it's difficult to know which one to listen to. From the time when we were young, there were voices telling us to do this and other voices telling us to do that. During our teenage years, the voices of our peers are at odds with the parental voices heard at home. Lots of voices. Lots of voices with advice on on how we must live life and, and how to be popular, how to get the right job, how to make money, how to look good, how to be happy. So many voices, the noise can be definite. What voice can we trust? Above all the noise of the city, above all the lifestyle options and advice, above all of that, the voice of wisdom is shouting at us. She claims to know the only way we can truly live. It is a voice to be heard above all the other noise. Wisdom calls out, are we listening? See, we can gain a lot by just listening. Reminds me of an elderly man who had a serious hearing problems for a number of years. His family tried again and again to convince him to get a hearing aid. And finally, he, he gave in and he went to the doctor and he was fitted for a set of, of, of hearing aids that allow him to hear 100%. A month later, he went back to the doctor and the doctor said with a smile, your hearing is perfect. Your family must be so pleased that you can hear again. The old man replied, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to their conversations. I've changed my will three times. (laughs) How good is your hearing? How good are you at listening? How good are we at listening? The town crier shouts, Wisdom cries aloud to the crowds of people to stop and take stock of their lives before it's too late. She addresses here, we see in verse 22, she addresses the simple, she addresses the mockers, she addresses the fools, all of which really overlap in their meaning of willful rebellion. But if we were to split hairs in the three audiences wisdom addresses here, we would say that the simple are those who believe anything but examine nothing. The mockers are those who think they know everything. And the fools are those who are ignorant of truth because of their own willful stubbornness. But here is a woman, a town crier in the streets. She's calling out to all those who pass by. We can picture this town crier, which, by the way, would never be a woman. So I love this personification. Going right against culture. But you can picture this this town crier, this woman, calling out to all those who pass by. She's begging them to listen to her. I have important news for you. Listen. And she might grab onto their coats. She shouts at them as they walk by. Oh, she has such important things to say. The irony is, is that so few people listen to her voice. Nobody seems to care. Nobody's listening. Why not? Oh, they're too busy to stop and listen. They have too many things to do. 
They got to get home to the family. They need to get to work. They need to go see that movie. They need to get to that board meeting. They need to pick up the child from soccer. They're too busy to listen to what she has to say. And interestingly, there's something that Lady Wisdom cannot understand. For she cries out in verse 22. She cries out, how long? How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? You see, she can't understand why people ignore her. So she cries out, how long? How long? How long will it take to listen to wisdom and do what it says? See, our problem is not that wisdom is hard to find. Our problem is listening to it. And on this Memorial Day weekend, folks, we remember the sacrifices made by those who gave their lives for this nation. But we also remember the sufficient opportunities we have been given as a nation to turn to the voice of wisdom. We keep blocking it out. Why is it that we can accomplish great things and yet be in such a mess morally? And all you have to do is read the front page of a newspaper or check the headlines online to see how on one hand we show off our brilliance and at the same time, on the other hand, we reveal the true condition of living lives absent from God. Now, I want to reach back. I want to reach back to July 1969 when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. At the same time that that this was happening, this great accomplishment of landing on the moon, at the same time, the news media, media also got wind of Teddy Kennedy and the suspicious incident off the bridge of Chappaquiddick in which the woman who he was with, who was not his wife, died in the accident of the car driven by Kennedy. Now, interestingly, the newspapers were deeply conflicted about which was more important and what to put on the front page, landing on the moon or this moral mess. And to me, that is a picture still true today of the condition of things in society. We are able to get to the moon, yet we're unable to handle ourselves properly. We might be intelligent, but are we wise? And the cry goes out, how long, America, how long? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The heart of God is pained by people ignoring him. He stands ready to pour out his wisdom to all who turn from their own stubborn ways and to listen to what he has to say. Look at verse 23. We see God's heart. He says, if you had responded to my rebuke, if you responded to wisdom's rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. What is that saying? We have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. And sometimes... Sometimes that opportunity comes in the form of a rebuke. We have been rebuked. See, our problem is not that wisdom's hard to find, it's listening to it. And we have indeed become too smart for our own good. And that's not only true as a nation, that is true of the evangelical church today. 
It is true of those who call themselves Christians everywhere because somewhere along the way, we stop sensing our need to seek the Lord and seek his wisdom. And so, so he cries out to us, how long, how long? How long, evangelical churches across this land, how long? How long, Christian leaders, how long? How long, Christian, will we carry on as if we don't need him, desperately need him, hungry for him? How long, how long will we stubbornly stick to our own ways? How long will we continue to push our own agendas? And how long will we insist on our own way of doing things? How long? Have we not been rebuked? Will we listen to his rebuke? His voice might be saying to you today in a very personal way, stop it. That thing that is grieving God, let go of it. That might be the rebuke today. Is God rebuking you? Is he rebuking me in some area of our lives? That's just another opportunity to gain wisdom. Don't forget the promise in verse 23. It isn't hard to find. It's listening to it. Don't be stubborn and ignore that voice. What will come to those who continue to ignore wisdom's call? What will happen to those who reject what wisdom has to say? That brings us to principle number two. Failure to listen brings disaster. Failure to listen brings disaster. And what we see here in verses 24 through 32 really is a portrait of a fool. Now, I'm just going to pick a few verses out, and as I do, listen to the descriptive words used here for a fool. Verse 24, but since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice, would not accept my rebuke. Down verse 29. Since they hated knowledge, did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke. Do you catch the description here, the portrait of a fool? You see the words rejected, refused, did not give heed, or, or better put, did not pay attention to, ignored or neglected, would not accept. Some synonyms for these words would boil down to four words, stubbornness, indifference, defensiveness, and unyielding. Those are the four words. Stubbornness, indifference, defensiveness, and unyielding. Is that describing you these days? Is it? If so, by the authority of God's word, I can say to you, it will not end well. It won't. Gary Richmond was a zookeeper, and he, he knew animals quite well. He, he had a friend who owned a pet raccoon. And Richmond knew by personal experience and study that raccoons go through a glandular change at about 24 months and often will turn on their owners and attack their owners. And since a 30-pound raccoon would be equal to 100-pound dog in a scrap, Richmond felt compelled to warn his young friend to the change coming to his pet raccoon. Oh, she listened politely as he explained the coming danger. She responded by saying what people always say, Oh, it will be different for me. 
And she added, oh, bandit wouldn't hurt me. No, he just wouldn't. Three months later, his friend underwent plastic surgery for facial lacerations sustained when Bandit attacked her for no apparent reason. And Bandit was released into the wilds. Can you think of a time when you said, why didn't I listen? <laughs> why didn't I listen? Don't do any of this yourself. Failure to listen brings disaster. Listen what it says, verse 26. I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster, wisdom says. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Verse 31, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Let it be said that every time we fight against wisdom, we lose. As the saying goes, never get in a spitting match with a skunk, because even if you outspit him, you still come out stinking. That's true. What's the warning? To those who continually reject wisdom, a storm is coming. Oh, that storm may may be when you get what you want. That storm may be when your dream dies. That storm may be when when you're found out or when you feel like your life is just spinning out of control. or, Or that storm may be when you sense this distance finally happening between you and God. But mark this. We can't continue to reject God's wisdom and expect to be protected from the storm. One cannot choose the way of foolishness without reaping the consequences. Mom was talking to her five-year-old daughter that that if she chose to disobey what mom and dad had to say, that she was going to have to live with the consequences. Daughter thought for a moment and said, but mommy, please don't make me live with the consequences. I want to live here with you. Guess what? We can't have it both ways. We can't enjoy God's presence and live outside the boundaries of his wisdom at the same time. The warning is clear. We can't go beyond God's fences that he has put up to protect us and then cry out to him to bail us out. And isn't that often the case? We walk around with fingers in our ears toward God saying, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Then disastrous results come. We make a mess of things. Troubles follow those foolish decisions. Then we expect God to come through for us and remove all the consequences. It doesn't work that way. When those consequences come, it's too late to undo them. That's the warning to us. There's even stronger language for those who wish for God to leave them alone. In the end, God will honor their wish to live life without his interference and give them what they wanted in the first place. It is, as C.S. Lewis put it, there are two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. God is patient, but one day his patience will run out. 
It is no light thing to mark God as so many do today. I see it from comedians. I see it on sitcoms. There are serial killers that mark God. There are religious phonies that mark God. And all those who declare daily by the way they live that they don't need God mark God. And the voice of wisdom is called out. We have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. The tragedy is that people will not listen to her. They just don't care. So we find these very chilling words. It sends a chill up my spine when I read verse 32. There's no way of softening it, nor should I even try. It says, verse 32, the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Do you get the shock of it? That's the point. People kill themselves by being complacent. By not bothering to make the effort to listen to God's wisdom, we, in essence, it says, commit suicide. The irony is biting. We think we're going to enjoy life by doing what we think is best and what we want, and we leave God out of the picture, and then reality, our foolish ignoring of God's wisdom is the suicide of a fool because life minus the fear of the Lord equals a dead-end street, futility. Oh, the troubles we are in because we won't listen to wisdom. There was a sign in an office that said, If you could kick the person responsible for most of your troubles, (laughs) if you could kick the person responsible for most of your troubles, you wouldn't be able to sit down for weeks. (laughs) Yeah. We want to put it elsewhere. It's right here. And after giving us nine verses on the portrait of a fool, there's only one verse on the alternative, the better way. The brevity compared to the lengthy speech that precedes it only emphasizes the appeal. What does it say? Verse 33. Verse 33 says, But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Here's the third principle. Listening to wisdom is the only thing that protects us from troubles of our own making. Notice it says, whoever, everyone and anyone qualify. There is room for everyone here inside that word, whoever. And as this section began, this section ends. It began in verse 20, you recall, with an appeal to listen. And it ends with an appeal to listen in verse 33. That is the point, I believe. to listen and live, and live life as it was meant to be lived. Because if we listen to wisdom, we will change. And that's the hard part, isn't it? Listening. Are you listening to him? Are you listening to wisdom? Are you listening to what God has to say? Then you're protected by him. You will live in safety, it says. You will be kept safe. You will not have to fear harm. The town crier calls out to you, hear ye, hear ye. Do you hear it? He who has ears, let him listen to the word of God. And the question that it comes down to, it does in my own life, how have I been drowning out God's voice? How have I been keeping busy so that I don't have to really listen to what God is saying to my soul? What is the next step we need to take towards wisdom? Because wisdom, folly, which will you choose? During a flight on an airplane, a flight attendant asked a passenger if he would like to have dinner. Passenger asked, 
what are my choices? The flight attendant replied, yes or no. (laughs) That's true in life. God calls out and he says, will you receive my wisdom? What are my choices? Yes or no. No other options. There are only two. Two choices, two ways, wisdom or folly. Listen to the voice of wisdom calling out to you. Humble ourselves before the God of wisdom because only there we will find safety. Only there will we live life. What happens if we choose not to listen, if we blow by the warning? Many years ago, Charles and Diana, Prince and Princess of Wales, and some friends took a skiing trip to Switzerland. You might recall the shocking news that came one afternoon of a terrible accident caused by an avalanche in which one of the prince's lifelong friends was killed and another seriously injured. How did it happen? Well, apparently, the prince's group had chosen to ski out on slopes that were closed to the public. The avalanche warnings had been posted but they had chosen to go beyond the fences because as one of them observed, that's where the optimum fun and excitement were to be found. Most likely, they found a brand of pleasure that was indeed more than attractive. But it went beyond the margins of what was wise and prudent. And the avalanche exacted its price among those who went beyond the fences. And the result, tragedy and calamity. Like the prince and his friends who could not stay inside the fences, inside the boundaries are those who see how far they can sneak away from God and his wisdom and not suffer consequences. Are you edging out? Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you edging out to the fences of God's wisdom to see what's on the other side? Young people, are you doing that? They've seen how far you can kind of sneak away from God and his wisdom. Are you ignoring the warning signs of danger? Is your curiosity leading you to test the boundaries? Wisdom calls aloud in the streets. Are we listening? Whoever listens will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. That's where I want to be. Let's pray. God, may we delight in your wisdom. May we pursue it. May we seek it. May we not, even for just a moment, choose the way of a fool. Not even for a moment. And we believe that what you have told us is right, it's best, and it will protect us from storms of life. It will protect us from suffering these kind of consequences, consequences that we often bring on ourselves because of our choices. May we seek you first. May we fear you first. May you apply what we've heard this morning to our lives, that we would listen and put it into practice so we can gain the wisdom and live this life as it was meant to be lived for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name.
Amen. And you're dismissed.